0: Welcome to the Net Documents Cloudcast, where we'll talk everything Net Documents, the relevant events and technology, and maybe a laugh or two along the way. Now, on to the show. Before we get this podcast underway, I'd just like to say a few words. My longtime co host, well, okay, my five time co host, Stephen Baird, has had a change of direction in his life and unfortunately will no longer be participating with me in these podcasts. As a quick, departing homage to him, I would like to say thanks for the laughs and the friendship. May the holes in your net be no larger than the fish in it. And remember, a fisherman is a man who spends rainy days sitting on the muddy banks of rivers doing nothing because his wife won't let him do it at home. On to the podcast. Welcome to the next episode of the Net Documents Cloudcast. And as was mentioned a little bit earlier, Stephen is no longer with us. But you know what? I have found someone who I think is the absolute perfect replacement. And I know his online personality because we interviewed him in episode two. I want to welcome JB Trexler to our cloudcast. JB, why don't you say hi to our two or three listeners? Hello, two or three
1: listeners. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and it's good to have you with me today. It's 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 glad that I don't have to do this thing solo. Stephen, thanks for leaving me. By the way, I know it was all me, not you. But uh, anyway, we're going to continue and and we're going to move on. So, JB, what's going on? How are things over in your neck of the woods?
1: Uh they are busy. They are they are busy. The team is is functioning well. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen to episode two, um, I am. And uh, running our professional services division here, and uh, we have lots of clients that are coming on board, and, and lots of projects and, and things up in the air. So we are, we are busy, but uh, it's a good busy. It keeps us out of trouble.
0: Oh, that's great. And if JB's busy, that's a really good thing for NetDocuments. So we'll be sure. And, and now that we have some professional services expertise going in our Cloudcast, we'll, we'll make sure to include some stuff periodically. So. Uh, JV can share a lot of his expertise where he works day to day but but don't worry we're going to continue to have a a very entertaining podcast at least that is the hope. So for today we wanted to start off in our initial segment. We wanted to start off with GDPR because that's coming into effect May 25th 2018 this year. So as of this recording we're just a handful of weeks away here and it's inevitable it's not going away and I've I've seen kind of articles on the internet and and are you ready and and a lot of companies still are not ready so it's 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 coming down to the wire here and I actually think as I was preparing for this I think what we may do is perhaps in the next episode or perhaps the episode after that we may actually bring someone in from our compliance department who knows GDPR in and out and have a little bit more detailed conversation on GDPR but to kind of start off. Um, JB, what do you know about GDPR?
1: Uh, that's a great question. And uh, Mike, I would have to say in this journey, there, there lots of things have, have been thrown about in the past, oh, I don't know, year. Uh, first, we had Brexit. Uh, we had GDPR. Uh, there's there's a lot of things being talked about. I naively uh, had thought that GDPR was related to Brexit, and that is, that is not the case. Uh, so... Um, as I've been learning more and more about it, uh, my understanding of, of GDPR is that it, it's basically uh, some rules, a set of a set of compliances or, or rules that allow uh, customers to uh, have control over their data and and clearly identify who a service provider is versus uh, who, where that data is going, and have a, a set of rules subjecting. Uh, you know that data transfer so that it's very very clear who owns the data and who is uh, not a custodian of the data uh, and and trying to set the standards and rules around that what are your thoughts there mike how did i do on a uh, on a on a layman's uh, brief interpretation of that
0: well i th- i think that pretty well sums it up it's it's pretty good at least for this episode as we get uh, the real experts in, in one of our episodes, we'll make sure and drill down into more detail. In fact, that'll be the, the second segment or the meat of that particular podcast. But as you talk about, you know, who owns the data and controls and being able to manage and protect and secure all of that information, it, it reminds me of how the Net document service can actually help you be GDPR compliant. Now, there are, are certain roles that NetDocuments as a service provider do, does fulfill for sure. And there's information that we can provide as an example. So with, when it comes to GDPR controls, we have security throughout the NetDocuments service. We're talking about ethical walls. We're talking about granular security, whether it's matter-based, whether it's folder-based, whether it's individual document-based. NetDocuments customers have full security management over all of that you know kind of the second thing is being able to identify what data is in the system so if you have a bunch of data but you're not able to analyze you're not able to find it or then how can you effectively manage it and one of the things that that we've got and are just putting the finishing touches on right now is our entity extraction to where as you put content in the system we will be able to extract display and show you the different entities in search results or in a matter or content based in a folder. So it really allows you to know what data is there and therefore to more effectively manage that data. And then additionally, as you identify data, there's certain data that you're going to want to protect a little bit more than other data. Perhaps it's got PII information or other sensitive type of information. And so what we've got coming as well is our data loss protection, being able to control who can do what based on classification policies within the system. And then kind of finally, the the last thing that I see is a GDPR control within that documents that gives each individual customer additional controls on top of everything we do. And as you listen to our previous podcasts, we've got uh, one where we focus on security. And we mentioned, I think we can't go through a single cloudcast episode, that we don't talk about security because it's so intertwined with everything we do, but it's the encryption key management, specifically the customer managed encryption key service that is available where you can own those encryption keys and it gives you that additional control on top of all of your data. So those are a handful of things that, that comes to mind when it comes to managing and controlling and knowing what your data is essentially. JB, any other thoughts on on the management of data or how that relates to GDPR? No, I, I think, you know, you did a good
1: job summarizing how NetDocuments helps with, with some of the things in GDPR. The one thing or the one area that I noticed is GDPR is really uh, designed for, for EU, right? It's, it's data protection for content that's stored in the EU. Uh, but what I find so fascinating about GDPR is that in looking at the, the, uh, the spec, it is really well-written and has very clearly defined boundaries around uh, which entities are which. And I like the fact that the NetDocuments platform actually Uh, supports a lot of the items in GDPR, not only because it'll help out with some of those EU situations, but it's really ahead of the curve, I think, in in the U.S. and other regions where, you know, we don't have GDPR in the U.S. However, we're compliant with a number of those things. So uh, I I find it interesting that our platform is, is already sort of ready. It's GDPR ready.
0: That's exactly right. And so one of the things that I, that I come across on a very regular basis is as I talk to organizations, even in the U.S., or it, it's basically those organizations that are multinational that have operations in the EU or in the U.K., is they are concerned. So it's not just U.K.-based companies or entities, but anyone that does business with people in the U.K., they, I always get asked, GDPR, GDPR, GDPR. So it's, yeah. it, it's a common thing. And what's nice is whether, regardless if you need to pay attention to GDPR or not, the controls that we have in place, the data management capabilities in the platform are available to all customers. That comes down to that whole inheritance model, the single platform, the single global instance of net documents. So everyone gets benefit just from GDPR, whether it applies to you or not.
1: That's, uh, that's perfect. I know um, I was mentioning uh, to you earlier before before the show, Mike, that about two weeks ago, I was out in our, our Lehigh office and spent some time with Dave Hansen on GDPR, and he really has that uh, subject down. So it'll be really interesting if we get him onto a, a future podcast episode. I think he's got all of the uh, uh, ins and outs memorized. In fact, he carries around a book, a GDPR book, uh, that, that I think he might uh, have a little bit of night reading.
0: Does he have his name monogrammed on the outside of the book? You know, I didn't check,
1: but I, I would.
0: I, we, we should do that for him. <laughs> so, for our, so for our listeners, why don't you tell them who David Hansen is? They may not know who uh, he is yet.
1: I apologize. Yeah, David Hansen, uh, he, uh, David Hansen is our director of compliance. So he, uh, in addition to dealing with a lot of audit requests and everything else, he also is the one that is responsible for interpreting uh, you know, a lot of these rules and making sure that we are compliant with the rules. So in other words, our SOC 2 Plus certification and, and some of those other certifications he is uh, in, uh, intimately involved with, along with several of, of the audits that we have every year. Uh, in fact, one of the things that uh, we may have in a future show, he was just discussing with me around our process on FedRAMP. So one of the things that we're looking to do is get FedRAMP certified. And uh, so that will be coming, I believe, at some point this year. And, and David will be in charge of that as well.
0: Yeah, David helps manage all the certifications, the platform of the company, etc. Very influential person, very knowledgeable and you know, he's been around for a, a while now and we're we're definitely grateful to have him. So mm-hmm. that's that's great. I, I think that does GDPR justice, at least for now. We don't want to give everything away because we, we're we're gonna do an upcoming episode with uh someone from compliance that knows what they're talking about. So I, I think that kind of Wraps it up for segment one with just a little light touch of GDPR. And then we are going to go in here in just a minute to segment two and talk about Office 365 online integration, which, by the way, was a special request from one of our biggest fans. At least she tells me she's one of our biggest fans. If she responds to this comment in the podcast, then I truly will know she's one of our biggest fans, Josie Jacob. She said, Mike, I would love to hear something on Office 365 and the relationship between NetDocuments and Microsoft. So, if you're listening to our podcast and you would like to request information or you just want to interact with us or give us feedback one way or the other, you can hit us on Twitter at ndcloudcast or you can send us an email, infonetdocuments.com. We respond to both. So, we'll be right back for segment two. Hey, you've made it all the way to segment two. Congratulations. And so, J.B., what's on tap for today? What are we going to talk about in the meat of our our cloudcast here? I think
1: we are going to be talking about Microsoft Office 365 in all of its glory. So not only the uh, the local version but also the online version which also gets pretty interesting it's got some snazzy features in there uh, but I, I think you know both comparing the the local and the, the the online is is where we need to go
0: okay well that's perfect that uh, that sounds great and as was stated before Josie this is all for you so pay attention please so <laughs> so office 365 uh, it, yep. it's been around for a couple of years in fact I think the last named, Version of Office right before 365 was Office 2016, was it not?
1: That is correct. Yeah, Office 2016, and then they rolled into uh, Office 365, and also uh, Windows 10. We'll we'll see if Windows 10 ever gets an update, but uh, they seem
0: to be sticking with that name as well. Maybe maybe they'll change that to Windows 365. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So so Office 365. Um, Kind of talk about tell us a little bit about the integration that we have available. And let's start off first with, say, you know, Office 365 really has three flavors. It's got yep. the full local install, it's got the click to run, and it's got the online piece. And yep. what I think we should do is break it up into two segments. So let's let's talk first about the local install and click to run, and how NetDocuments plays with that. And then we'll we'll talk a little bit here in a few minutes about the 365 online integration. So do you want to start talking about that? the first two versions there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm generally going to talk about both of them together. In my experience, the most of the customers that I deal with are, are using the 32-bit product. So as you know, Office 365 comes in both a 32 and a 64-bit implementation. Now, we're compatible with both, uh, but it, a lot of our... Uh, industry-specific plugins are 32, 32-bit capable only. Uh, hopefully, you know, 64-bit's been out for a while, but I, I'm just not seeing the shift there uh, by a lot of our, our third parties to, uh, to move to that 64-bit platform. So typically what I see deployed is a 32-bit version of Office 365 that, that is local to each, each PC or each workstation.
0: Great. Um, and, and what kind of integrations are available with NetDocuments? How, how does it fit into that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. So we have, uh, we have ND Office, right? So ND Office uh, is, is a one point of, of integration. And what that will do is that will connect Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, as well as uh, Outlook. There's some, some Outlook functionality there. And it, it, it just, it, it's great. You can do a, uh, uh, the integration pieces allow you to do Control-O, and we take control of that and open a document right from Net Documents. Control-S, uh, we'll save a document, write to Net Documents. So uh, there's the, the integration is is pretty tight, and you know it's it's almost seamless as you're working with any other system, be it opening a file from your local file system. NetDocuments is right there as another repository, and you can integrate with that seamlessly just as you would with a, a, a local share.
0: Yeah, Indi Office has been out now for what are we in 2018? I think it came out. I want to say 2014, 2015, something like that. And it's amazing how how it's evolved over the years to what it is today, it was the day that it came out, It some of our customers that have been long-time customers said this has completely changed our NetDocuments experience. And it was for the better that uh, it's being able to stay in those Microsoft Office products has been very, very nice for our customers, and it's allowed us to do a lot of different things. Uh, As an example, JB mentioned Control-O, Control-S, so there's that native integration with the native file save, the native open, save as as well. We've also recently integrated with the Microsoft Word Compare, so many of the law firms and other professional organizations that we, we talk to utilize simply just the native word compare rather than a third-party comparison product. And so being able to integrate into that has been a big, big benefit for them as far as productivity, efficiency, and just overall workflow processes. It's been really nice. Now, Office. so there's something unique with Office. I think, is a huge, huge benefit. And I believe that many of our users utilize it, but sometimes we don't necessarily highlight it, and that's the activity center. JV, do you want to talk a little bit about the Activity Center and what that can give us?
1: So before I talk about the Activity Center, I have to tell you one of my favorite features of Indy Office. I, I it's 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 huge. It's um it's really simple. It's probably the easiest thing, and it's really simple to overlook. But when you are saving a new document, and in a lot of the work that I do, I go through revisions on a document. And when I'm done, uh, I want to create a PDF of that document and send it out to the client, right? And I have to tell you that the ability within IndieOffice Office to just click the little drop down when you're saving a document and change the format from DOCX straight to PDF. Lifesaver! I can't tell you how much time that changes or, or time that saves me versus having to go to the the native Word menu and do an export and and do the PDF and then you know go that route. Just having that one-click save functionality inside of ND Office is absolutely huge, and I love it.
0: Oh yeah, and let's let's not forget the capability of NetDocuments itself that each version can be its own file type, so we support it from the back end as well, and. Those two features together work really, really nice, especially when you're dealing with organizations that, that work, that are very version intensive. And so versions 1 through 50 are draft, and then version 51 is that final, that PDF. You're right. It's so simple. It's so easy. I've forgotten what a, what a big benefit that is. Thanks for bringing that up. All right, so JB, now that you've talked about your absolute favorite feature of saving as PDF with just a single click, Okay, let, let's get on to the activity center. What do you see as you interact with users? How does, does that bring benefit to their lives? I think so. Uh, you know, in
1: addition, it's, it's easy. So the activity center, just so we're clear uh, on, on terminology, uh, is, is in the, the system icon tray for ND Office. So if you're using ND Office and have it installed, you get an icon that goes into the system tray. And if you click on that, it's going to bring up the activity window. And inside of there is going to be a list of your documents that you've worked on recently. Uh, I find that list to be very, very beneficial. It's it's, uh, rather than have to, even if I don't have Word open or if I don't have uh, anything open, I can click there and I can see the list of documents that I've been working on at at a very quick glance and get to everything that I need. Also, the little information panel in there, if I'm unsure about a version of a document, I can click on the little information icon next to it to see all of the profile information and, and update, uh, you know, some of the, the comments there on the fly, it's it's absolutely a time saver. And, you know, I, it would sort of mimic the functionality in going into uh, the, the web UI and looking at your recent documents, uh, but I, I find that to be a little bit uh, easier. The, the system, icon contrary, the activity center for me is easy. uh, and and much more intuitive
0: right and it's got a bunch of right-click options as well so maybe I wanted to you know the document that I just worked on I want to send it to the attorney I'm working for and I just right-click in that activity center I've got a link to the document now I can quickly email it out or I need to quickly open it in a read-only mode rather than open for edit and so the activity center has got a lot of really really nice features that one click and I'm there instead of needing to go to the browser etc so you're absolutely right I I find it a big time saver and I use it all the time in in my daily work as I work on documents etc so that's another part of Indie Office that is just included and uh, sometimes is overlooked but but that's okay so that i think is a pretty good overview of the integration with office 365 both the local install and the click to run now we've got this whole other beast here this cloud integration called office 365 online and jb what is office 365 online what does it Comprise, or what? What are the components in it?
1: Yeah. Uh, so this, this to me is really, really interesting, right? We've been working in a, we've been working in a, a, a thick client model, if you will, for for so long, uh, and I know Office Online has been around for a little bit, but seeing it uh, sort of take off here is is really interesting. So Office Online is this concept of. Hey, I've got an online version of Office. What does that mean exactly? There's there's really no footprint on the the PC. I'm running a a version of an application that's in a web window somewhere, right? So I could be I could be on vacation in Fiji, I wish, uh, and at a hotel somewhere, and in a uh, theoretically in a in a browser window somewhere working on a document because I didn't bring my laptop with me. Uh, it, it's really Uh, the ability to use software in a a SaaS or cloud uh, solution from from Microsoft. And and I'm I'm very, very intrigued about about this. Uh, And so that's that's sort of what it is. And uh, the integration points, well, do we want to pause there or do we want to launch right into the integration points?
0: Um, No, let's go ahead and launch right into the integration points. I I think people (laughs) that are interested and and we're going to go right in. But I was going to make a comment based on what you said. Are you telling me that you would not take your laptop to Fiji? I
1: would not take my laptop to Fiji. If I'm going to Fiji and I'm on my laptop, that means that I'm going to have a
0: very mad spouse. <laughs> smart man. Smart man. Happy wife means happy life. That's my motto. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, back to uh, Office 365 and the integrations. So continue, please. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: this, this to me is great. So um, one of the things, if you're Working online, and you have an Office 365 online subscription. Uh, one of the options that you can do is right within our product, from within the web browser, you can launch and, and say, "I want to create a new document." And we pop up some some contextual items for you, and we say, well, "What type of document?" And in that list, you can say uh, a Word online document, or an, an Excel online document, or a PowerPoint online document, and it will launch that that uh, document, but it will launch it in online fashion. Now, what's interesting is that it's going to save that document into NetDocuments, but while I'm operating on it, it is going to be outside of the NetDocuments Cloud, and it's going to be on the Azure storage. Now, some people are going to uh, throw their hands up in the air and say, wait a minute, what about security? So for those guys, just hang on a minute, we'll get to you. Uh, Obviously, one of the things that we deeply care about is security. Uh, So we will address that. However, just for now, let's talk about the user process, what they see. So the users are going to have a document, let's say it's a Word document. It'll open up inside of the uh, Word program online, in your browser. You'll be working on it, you'll be editing it. Those uh, edits will be in the Azure cloud and be saved to the Azure cloud. And when you're all done and you decide to close it, it will make its way back to the NetDocuments repository, be deleted from the Azure storage, and be saved inside of NetDocuments. And from that point, you can then, you can work on that that document again in an online session, or you can work on it in a uh, thick client, Office 365 thick client, uh, back on your laptop. So uh, the other interesting thing, since we are working in Azure storage, what this allows us to do is it allows us to work uh, in a co-authoring or co-editing session so that we can um, essentially you co-author a document together. One person says, I'm going to create this new online document or I'm going to edit this in Microsoft Online. And that allows anybody with an Office 365 subscri- subscription to co-author that document with you. So in other words, they can, uh, you know, you can have three or four people editing the same document at the same time and you're, you're good to go. And, and those changes will also make their way back into Net Documents once it's, uh, once it's saved and checked in. That's really great. cool stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a great summary. And, you know, what's, what's nice is, and I think uh, I've mentioned this in, in at least a prior podcast, is one of the goals eventually of NetDocuments is to offer the ability to have a zero-footprint desktop. That all that means is you don't have to install any software on the, on the machine, but yet you have full functionality, whether it's working in office online or using OWA or doing comparisons online without having to have software. You just need a browser and then everything else is stored and processed and run in the cloud. And this is one of those steps. So one of the things that's that's really nice about this online this office online integration and why it's important is because now it gives you ubiquitous access, ubiquitous functionality across all devices. So you know what, you're on a Mac, you can edit documents using Microsoft online on a Mac, on Windows, practically on any type of device as well. And one of the really nice things that makes this different than other integrations provided by other, other third parties is the fact of a relationship that is in place between Microsoft and NetDocuments. The NetDocuments is what's known as a Microsoft cloud storage provider. What this long-term simply means is we replace OneDrive. So as you look at how other vendors have integrated with Office 365 online is the data goes from their system To Microsoft OneDrive and then it goes from OneDrive to 365 online so OneDrive acts as the middleman and the worry is always well what when I close the document what happens to the copy on OneDrive there may or may not be a a breadcrumb or pieces of that document in OneDrive and is it governed etc but with NetDocuments it's Office 365 to NetDocuments a direct communication both ways Microsoft has has invited us into that particular uh, exclusive circle, and uh, we're part of the party now, and have taken advantage of that. And our customers get those advantages because of it. Some of the nice things about the Microsoft Office integration, both Office on premises as well as Office in the cloud, there's also you know don't even for, don't ever forget the mobile aspect of it. That Office three sixty five on mobile devices, both Android and iOS devices, where in those Microsoft apps, you have a file open directly into NetDocuments. There's a handful of vendors there, but from a a legal document management standpoint, NetDocuments is the only legal DMS vendor on that list, where Office 365 on mobile devices talks directly to NetDocuments. So that's one of the really big benefits. It makes that mobile experience very, very rich, You've got the online experience with those co-editing capabilities and then the really tight integration with the Windows version of Office 365. And in fact, as we look at this in a little bit larger scale, you know, I had mentioned earlier that NetDocuments is a Microsoft cloud storage provider. So there's a there's actually a special relationship between NetDocuments and Microsoft. And back in, I've got a quote here in front of me. So a gentleman by the name of Rob Howard who's the director of the Office 365 ecosystem, said a couple of years ago that the integration between Microsoft and NetDocuments cloud technologies will help make secure document management seamless to our joint users. And really, here's, here's the story. This is what happened is several years ago, our executive team got a call from Microsoft. And Microsoft basically said, hey, NetDocuments, we would love to come talk to you. We have a proposition. And as they met with our executive team, they said, listen, we would like to invite NetDocuments to come and be part of the inner circle at Microsoft. We would like to push NetDocuments. As our customers are looking for document management, we would like to push them to NetDocuments. Because we believe you're the only legal cloud vendor, viable legal cloud vendor on the market today. Of course, we said yes. We didn't think about that. Absolutely, we did. And we've loved the relationship ever since. But during one of these meetings, and I don't know when it happened, (coughs) is we actually asked Microsoft, Microsoft, this is kind of odd. You're coming to, at the time we were significantly smaller than we are now, and you're coming to us and you're saying that documents we want to partner with you. Why? What's, there's gotta be some benefit in it for Microsoft. And what they told us is they said, you know what? Microsoft has this cloud strategy. We really want consumers, we want businesses to be in the cloud. But what we found is there's some resistance from the people that draft the laws, that make the laws essentially the lawyers. That the lawyers are using on-premises systems and therefore don't have the experience with the cloud, don't have confidence in the cloud, and therefore don't necessarily recommend or um, emphasize working in the cloud. So we figure Microsoft partners with NetDocuments. NetDocuments has a growing customer base. We see the momentum. We see the shift. People are looking and moving to NetDocuments. If we partner with NetDocuments going down this road and more and more lawyers use NetDocuments, then more and more lawyers are going to have firsthand experience in the cloud and then in the end, we will see the adoption of Microsoft Cloud proliferate throughout the world. It all focuses on the legal sector. So I thought that was a very interesting story, a very interesting relationship. I think it's provided both Microsoft and NetDocuments some significant advantages. And our customers actually get the benefit of that with this Office 365, the Office 365 online integrations, and you know perhaps what else? comes down the line any comments on that jb anything you want to add it's like ebony and ivory
1: that would be my uh my analogy for for our relationship there
0: you know what i want to thank you for not getting that song stuck in my head (laughs) well it might be now (laughs) yeah it might be (laughs) and you know as we look at this partnership and it definitely has flourished and it has grown we've got other integrations that are that are planning to come out. One of those that we have announced is the integration with Microsoft Flow, which for those of you that are not familiar with Microsoft Flow, it's essentially an online workflow utility. It allows you to set up conditions and there are many different vendors that are part of this Flow ecosystem. And so, you know, I think Twitter's one and OneDrive is one and I think OWA is one. And so I could do something like, Hey, if this particular Twitter account posts, email a copy of that Twitter account to my inbox or a, a copy of that tweet to my inbox. And so all of that is done with Microsoft Flow, with the integrated vendors, and NetDocuments is one of those integrated vendors. So we're really looking forward to as use cases are defined to really getting that Documents in the middle of Microsoft Flow and being able to get some some workflow type capabilities using that that joint integration, I know there are other types of integrations that we're looking with Microsoft that we're not quite yet re- ready yet to announce, but you'll see that partnership continue to expand and provide additional benefits to our customers.
1: Yeah, I think I think that one is really intriguing for me because there is a uh, you know. From, from a lot of people on the, uh, the technical side, we'll, we'll play with if this, then that, right? Um, and, and to me, flow sort of takes that, but only to to the extreme on the business side, right? So if this, then that sort of works, I think in the, in the residential space and, and some of the other things that you can do where, where people are tinkering with it. Uh, Microsoft took this thing and just went full bore, implemented it and said, hey, let's take that. We're gonna uh, allow it to, to work with APIs and let's let's bring it in so that we can have a nice flow well,
0: I think uh, that's a great wrap up for segment two. I think we've delved into Office 365, both online and on-prem. We've talked about the Microsoft NetDocuments partnership and how that benefits our customers and some of the possible futures coming down the line with NetDocuments. So we're gonna wrap up segment two and we're gonna move into our last segment, have a little bit of fun and we'll be right back. Okay, congratulations. Segment three, we're to the very end. And after boring you and putting you to sleep, we're going to wake you up a little bit and have just a little bit of fun. So for those who have listened to our podcast before, hopefully you remember that this third segment is where we ask some questions of one another so our listeners can get to know us just a little bit better. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to initiate JB into this by being the one to ask him a question first, and then we'll let him kind of reciprocate and ask me a question as well. So JB, here is your question. What is the dumbest way you've been injured? (laughs) The dumbest way
1: that I have been injured? Um, Okay, I've got it. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, I am a very large Jimmy Buffett fan, so um, I, I, there's a group of friends, and uh, we go every year. We've been going for probably 25 years, and uh, so I remember a specific year. Typically, if you've never been to a Jimmy Buffett concert, uh, you probably know who Jimmy Buffett is. He sings you know, Margaritaville, Cheeseburger in Paradise, you know, Volcano, a lot of those, those different songs that we all know and love. The parking lots at a Jimmy Buffett concert are very much uh, uh, there's there's tailgating going on there's there's lots of uh, uh, consumption of adult beverages and and eating and that sort of thing and I remember one year we were making some fruity drinks it was a, a pineapple drink and we needed to cut a pineapple open. And I thought it would be a good idea. We had a whole assembly. I'm a process guy, right? So we had this whole assembly line thing kind of going on. And I thought it would be a good idea to just hold the pineapple while the person next in line cut the top of the pineapple off, uh, which after a few drinks seemed like a good idea. But for those of you in the crowd that have not had a, a few drinks, you realize that's a really dumb idea. So as my friend was cutting through the top of the pineapple, uh, he managed to catch part of my uh, – part of one of the fingers on my right hand uh, which sliced it open I had to leave go to the hospital get some stitches I did end up making it back to the parking lot just in time to go into the show and watch the show so uh, but that is by far the dumbest way I've (laughs) ever injured myself
0: what was it was it like two or three hours tailgating before the concert to go to the to go to the first aid place and wow that's 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 impressive are you a parrot head through and through
1: I am. And, uh, you know, luckily this happened before the concert. Um, you know, it it took, I think to get to, uh, this was in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. So, uh, it took approximately, I want to say 15 minutes to get to wherever the doctor's place was. And then, uh, I had walked in and they said, Oh, the first one arrived. And I said, (laughs) what do you mean the first one? And they said, well, you're really lucky. Uh, usually on these weekends, that line is going to be out the door in about two hours. And, uh, yeah, between I guess all the time up there, people roll their ankles on hills. There's yeah, all kinds of craziness.
0: So wow, yeah. that is that is funny, and it's yep. you know it may be a dumb way to get injured, but it's a great story. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem. We actually uh, we called it a shark bite, is what we called it. Oh, I like that. Even a better story, yep. a yep. shark bite in Wisconsin. Those freshwater yeah. sharks got to watch out for them.
1: That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, that is a that is a good question. So turnabout is fair play. Um, and I know it's not normally the same question, Mike, but that just is really intriguing. So tit for tat, dumbest way you injured yourself. I, I've got to know.
0: You know, the it's interesting as I as I look through. So just for our listeners, we have a, a list of these types of questions. So I don't have to come up with one on the spot. And as I read the question, I always think, how am I going to how would I answer this if someone asked me? I've got an answer. I already know, J.B., and it is absolutely stupid. It's actually very embarrassing. It was So I was a senior in high school, and I was sitting in the kitchen, actually standing in the kitchen with, with the brother just younger than me. And, you know, if you can imagine a kitchen that has an island stove. So I was standing between the stove and the counter. You know there's probably it's a it's a 2 foot gap wide enough you can walk through and carry stuff etc. It's also wide enough where you can put your hands one hand on the counter, one hand on the stove and you can kind of lift yourself up so you swing your legs back and forth.
1: Oh sure, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So my brother is standing in front of me about 3 feet and I thought, "Oh my goodness, he's at the perfect position. I'm going to lift myself up." <laughs> I'm going to swing myself back and forth, and I'm going to try <laughs> – oh, geez, I'm going to try and kick him in the face. <laughs> so, okay. I was 18. I'm a teenager, all right? Right. brotherly things. They're brotherly yep. things. So I swing yep. my feet up. I completely miss him. Oh, my goodness. I whiffed with my feet, and I became unbalanced. My feet came down and backwards, and I lost my balance, and I fell literally face first on the floor. (laughs) Now what happened? So the injury was my two front teeth got stuck in the floor and snapped off. Oh my goodness. I know. Wow. Okay. I know. And so uh, I won't bore you with the rest of the story, but yes, I was toothless for a couple of days until I could get to the dentist. Uh, Oh my goodness. My, my parents were not home. They got home and completely freaked out. I don't blame them. I was, I was probably a little bit in shock, um, but I laugh at it now. It's, it's, it's As you can tell, it's quite a funny story, and I'm Absolutely. sure my, my brother uh, remembers that day fondly because I didn't injure him, and I got it much, much worse than he ever would have gotten it, so that's the so, dumbest thing I've ever done for an injury.
1: Mike, would you say that there was probably a karma lesson in there as well? Uh,
0: um, well, I've never done it again. How's that? Right. There you go. (laughs) No, absolutely. There was a karma lesson in that. Yes. And I've I I don't think I've ever tried to consciously injure my brother again since then. So, (laughs) yes. So there you go, JB. And now now the uh, the public knows that that story. Well, great. Great question. Great discussion. So we've got one more thing to finish this up. And that is our nice little fun fact. JB, what were you doing back in 98? Where are you living?
1: Oh man! So 1998, I was still in Illinois. I was uh, I was just let's see um, done with college at that point. So at at that point, just uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I think at that time I was temping um, and and had just gotten a position at a uh, oh, I can't even remember the name of the business, but I was uh, I was I was temping, and I seemed to be the only one that knew how to work. Uh, the Microsoft Office Suite. And so uh, I started getting a lot more work and a, a lot more attention because I became sort of the, the local computer guy uh, there. And that's kind of what got me my start in IT, believe it or not. And uh, from there, I, I moved on into other IT-related roles. But in 98, I was just I was just temping, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and that really was right before the start of my, my IT career.
0: Nice, nice. Back in 98, I had already gotten married. I graduated from college. <laughs> Um, Let's see. I actually had my second child in 98. and The reason I ask about 1998 is there was this little small company called Sony. They had come out with a camcorder in 1998 and sold 700,000 of these camcorders that actually accidentally had the technology to see through people's clothes. What? So you could point the camera at somebody and essentially see them naked. Oh, my goodness. These cameras, and it was a complete accident by Sony. They had special lenses. In fact, they were, they were labeled as the Sony night vision camera, where you supposedly could record in the middle of the night, pitch black, and be able to still see. They had special lenses. Sony had made a mistake. They used infrared light, which actually allows you to see through some types of clothing. And there was a big brouhaha back in 98. Sony recalled all those. And, of course, you have those kinds of people that would buy a new model of the Sony and try and retrofit it with some of these lenses. And anyway, I thought it was just a very, (laughs) very interesting fun fact back in 98 that uh, unintended. uh... Yeah, but, but made the news.
1: Yeah, that is, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm guessing somebody in that QA department was answering a lot of questions.
0: I am sure they were, as was the CEO.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, great. Well, that's our trivia. That's our podcast for today. JB, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me for the long haul. And until next time, keep your head in the clouds.